Who are the elite athletes? They are the men and women who have dedicated themselves to a level of achievement in a sport that most can only dream about. Whether they reach that pinnacle of success in high school, college, or in the pro game, the vast majority of these great athletes come to realize that their time at the top is only a few years. What does life have in store for them for the next 50, 60, or more years? What challenges and barriers do they face along the way? After the Glory is the show that features conversations with elite athletes as they talk about what led them to greatness and how their special skill set has prepared them for life beyond the playing field. Gary Stern and Lucy Sang are passionate admirers of elite athletes and are proud to bring you their stories. And now, the host of After the Glory, Lucy Sang and Gary Stern. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Gary Stern along with my partner Lucy Sang. And today we're joined by Matthew Schneider, our first guest from the National Hockey League. Uh, Matthew uh, played in the NHL for, uh, uh, I think, a dozen years uh, right in there. Uh, was considered an offensive defenseman. He played 1,289 games in the NHL with 10 different teams scoring 233 goals and totaling 743 points. And he won the Stanley Cup in 1993 with the Montreal Canadiens uh, against uh, my Los Angeles Kings, who he later played for. Uh, and uh, uh, Matthew, it's just a thrill to have you on After the Glory. How are you? Not too bad. How are you doing, Gary? I'm doing great. It's great to be with you. We uh, touched bases initially. Uh, uh, I became a member of the Southern California uh, Jewish Sports Hall of Fame Board of Directors uh, back in June, and I reached out to uh, Matthew, who was kind enough to to respond, and we're uh, great to have you. And uh, one of the questions, that, well, the, actually the first question that occurs to me uh, about your journey uh, toward the NHL is you're American. You were born in Manhattan uh, uh, to a Jewish father and a French-Canadian uh, mom and who converted to Judaism. And uh, you lived in West New York, New Jersey, and moved to Rhode Island. Um, obviously, in Canada, uh, hockey, you're born with skates on. Yeah. Not necessarily in America where you might be uh, tempted by other sports how did hockey come to you uh well that would have been through my dad uh first of all he he grew up in Rhode Island uh you know when I was growing up I would say New England and Michigan Minnesota were probably the two hockey hotbeds outside of outside of those states there wasn't a tremendous amount of hockey being played um but my mother was French Canadian as you mentioned from a family of 12 kids. She was the 11th of 12 kids. I had 60 some odd cousins. And my dad thought that all my cousins would be playing hockey uh, uh, growing up. And that was one of the reasons why he wanted me to play. He was uh, baseball and football mainly growing up, but he he played some hockey as well. And uh, he was fairly methodical in the sports that he wanted me to play. I was primarily baseball and hockey. It was mostly because if I wasn't going to be that big, that those were the two sports that I might be able to be successful in, not being six five, two uh, hundred some odd pounds, which uh, which I never I never made it to. So <laughs> I, well, I did hit two hundred pounds, but not the not the six five part. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, you know, my daughter was a, 
a competitive figure skater for many years uh, uh, with Disney on Ice. Uh, uh, and uh, when she was a kid, eight years old, and st- started to uh, practice, she once walked into the uh, King's Training Center out in the valley. And as she's walking out on the ice, Steve McKenna was walking off the ice. Can you imagine an eight-year-old with uh, a guy who was, I think, six foot seven yeah. and played Amen. hockey? <laughs> big man. So I know all about size and hockey. Uh, 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 once you're on the ice, of course, you've got to learn to skate. You've got to learn to skate with great dexterity and skill before you ever even can think about the skills that are associated with hockey. How does that come about? Did you have a coach? Uh, uh, what happened? Now, my dad, uh, my dad became a student of the game, really. And uh, he started me really young. I think first place I skated was Rockefeller Center I think I was three and a half years old and then um, and then he started he started uh, putting me on the ice more and more often uh, when I was four or five years old and there there wasn't an awful lot of hockey we were in New Jersey at the time there wasn't an awful lot of hockey so he actually started coaching and started uh, to develop programs and I was the beneficiary of that he was uh, he was he was very devoted to teaching skills and um, and and essentially myself and a handful of other kids that he started programs with uh, that were mostly guys that were misfits I guess you would say kind of cut from other teams that were uh, like the premier I guess today you would compare them to triple A teams and I know that that goes on in uh, in all the sports so you have the the elite baseball, the elite basketball, hockey is no different. Um, and uh, it was kids that were kind of cut from their programs. My dad took them on, and and uh, he he was a he was a really great coach when I was young. Matthew, just to be clear, you you mentioned you started on the ice at three and a half years old. I mean, I don't even know how many kids can even walk on ground on three and a half years old. Is that is that a normal thing? Is this part of the sport or is it just that your father wanted to get you started early no i i think uh i think if you talk to most of the guys that are playing today whether they're playing in college or pro or anywhere i think a lot of a lot of the kids uh start skating at probably four or five years old i think three and a half's a little young um my brother was actually believe it or not 11 months my dad my dad oh my goodness my dad has this funny story he used to tell where you know, my brother would be walking by the couch as soon as he, he started walking fairly early and my dad would give him a little push and he'd knock him over and and the time the first time that he didn't fall over when he pushed him he uh he put him on the ice after that but uh wow uh, that, it, it's uh, i think i think that helps an awful lot frankly the you know you get over the fears and you're uh, the younger that you are starting out, I think it makes it a little bit easier. Do you pick up the skills, uh, defending, checking? Do you pick that up while you're learning to skate, or do you really have to master all aspects of skating first? Uh, I mean, it, it helps to it helps to be really solid on the ice for sure. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can do off the ice, and, uh, and I think nowadays uh, guys are guys are training on and off the ice, shooting a lot of pucks. Uh, you know, working on the stick handling skills uh, off the ice. It, it's um, and 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 they're born out of necessity too, because uh, ice time is very expensive. And uh, you know, I think 
to you. To, if you want to continue to get better, you don't necessarily need to be on the ice all the time, but you can do things um, with with your individual skill off the ice that, that help an awful lot. Uh, and I mean, that's that's one of the things, but even, you know, balance drills and uh, strengthening the muscles. You know, your daughter was a figure skater. You, you would be familiar with all the different things that they did off the ice uh, to train the same muscle groups that you're working when you when you're on the ice. Absolutely, and uh, you mentioned, of course, ice time. People don't realize that uh, the world of hockey and getting to become a good hockey player. You're sharing a building with other people who uh, who also skate, who are not even hockey players. When we come back on After the Glory, we'll delve into Matthew's uh, transition to being a, an elite skater right up through the NFL. When we come back, role models, they can make all the difference. In our world today, they have never been more important. One of the nation's most successful mentoring organizations is Jewish Big Brothers Big Sisters of Los Angeles. Their mission is to assist youth in achieving their full potential through innovative and impactful programs. And no nonprofit agency does it better. Jewish Big Brothers Big Sisters of LA serves Jewish children, boys and girls in our local community with a mentoring program that's been going strong since 1915. That's only the beginning. This nationally known agency owns and operates Camp Bob Waldorf. Its summer camping and weekend retreat programs enrich the lives of youth throughout greater Los Angeles. Then there's a college support program, and last but not least, work that helps kids all over the world through the Teen Talk app. Want to learn more? Go to jbbbsla.org. Donate. Get involved. There's no better way to make a difference. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Gary Stern with my partner, Lucy Singh, and our guest, Matthew Schneider. Matthew, uh, uh, tell us about the journey to the NHL. In other words, people, I think, have a basic idea in baseball. You play in the minor leagues. You come to the majors. In football, you might play Pop Warner, high school and college ball, and get drafted. What is the journey for a Matthew Schneider uh, in, in getting to the NHL? Well, I, I would say that mine was uh, fairly unique, and uh, and uh, I'm dating myself, but uh, the the times have really changed. There are a lot a lot more players today that come through, I guess, a more traditional the college system. Um, but as you know, we have a fairly diverse uh, membership in the in the union. You know, guys coming from. I think we have players from. 16 or 17 different countries right now around the world which is which is exciting but um you know the the traditional path and how i came up was back back in the 70s 80s uh, and my first year was 89 90 and the nhl was through uh canadian junior hockey and i left high school a year early to go play junior hockey in canada um which I guess if I had it to do all over again, I, I probably would have uh, rather gone to college and enjoyed that experience. But that's a, that's a story for another time. <laughs> um, but I, I played junior hockey for three years. I was drafted after my first year to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, back then there were only 21 teams in the league. And uh, I would say leading, leading up to you know my, my sophomore or junior year of high school, I don't think I ever thought in a million years that I'd ever get an opportunity to play in the NHL. Um, I had my sights set on college and I was hoping to get a college scholarship potentially, but I just loved hockey. I played baseball as well in high school. Um, 
didn't didn't enjoy it as much, but I, I love playing baseball as well. Um, and and the way things just kind of happened, uh, I was able to get an opportunity to go play on uh, a junior team, and then uh, being drafted in Montreal, I think, was really important in my career because I had some great coaches there that were able to help develop me really uh, to the NHL style game, um, and and really teach me how to play strong defense and. Uh, which I think is a big reason why I was able to play as long as I did. And when you look at today's game, uh, we have a lot more players coming out of university, strong, strong college programs. Uh, USA Hockey has done a really good job over the years developing talent, uh, being competitive with Canada, who's been the premier, I guess, uh, powerhouse and uh, developing hockey players uh, for many, many years. Uh, but you have some great talent coming out of Sweden, Russia, Finland, uh, Germany now. You know, uh, one of our top players in the, in the league, uh, Dreisaitl, is from Germany. Uh, it's, it's just a very diverse group of players. And in terms of getting to the NHL, obviously, as with any uh, elite athlete, you leave behind all of the athletes who who didn't make it, who didn't quite make it. And I'm curious in the sport of hockey, where it where it, it is so physical and the skill set I think is so incredible. It, is it is it a mental toughness? Is it a physical ability? What gets you to the NHL where others do not? I think, uh, you know, my upbringing in New, New Jersey and the fact that there wasn't a lot of hockey uh, when I was growing up, I, my dad had me playing with older kids all the time. And I was playing when I was five or six, I was playing with guys that are, that were eight and nine. When I was nine and 10, I was playing with guys that were 12, 13. And, and even when I was, when I was uh, 13, 14, I was playing with guys that were 17, 18 years old. And, and it taught me how to survive, I think more than anything on the ice. Um, and, and, uh, I, I was never going to be, I was never going to be a big guy. I was never going to be a guy that was going to overpower you. So I, I think develop a lot of the skills just inherently, uh, when you're playing, playing with, uh, athletes and players that are bigger and stronger than you and you're, and you're trying to, trying to get by that way. I think that was a big part of it for me. And I'm curious, you were on the defense. That means you were, you were back at the blue line and, uh, obviously there are people who might think, well, you know, did you miss not being a left winger, right winger, center, <laughs> um, it, you know, all constantly being in the crease. Um, what led you to defense? It, because it is at some point a thankless job and yet it's vital. It, you know, you're the last line of defense. What led you to become a defenseman? Yeah. Uh, again, I'd probably have to go back to my dad because he was the one that started me out in defense. And, uh, um, I, aside from one year in high school where my high school coach uh, thought I needed work on my skating and he moved me up to forward, uh, I played defense pretty much throughout throughout my career. Um, you know, it, it was just, uh, I, I think, you know, when you look at the style of play back uh, many years ago, and, and this is, again, dating me, and, and when I came into the league, you had, you know, Normally, you had two two defensemen that were really high skilled players that would be kind of your offensive type defensemen. Then you'd have a couple of uh, two defensemen that, or your three four defensemen that would 
have, uh, you know, they'd have a combination of, you know, ability to move the puck, good skaters, but better defensively. And then you had two defensemen that were there just for muscle and the physical play. <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, weren't necessarily great skaters, but they were just very physical guys. Um, and, and that's changed. Everybody needs to be a great skater today. If you can't skate, you can't play in the game. Um, but, I, you know, for me, I was – I enjoyed it because I was I was able to use uh, my skating ability and puck moving ability to to be able to survive and to thrive uh, at different levels and and that's you know I I, I just enjoyed it. Um, it I I was always jealous of the forwards scoring all the goals but uh, I get a few I get a few myself so. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, before we take another break, why don't you share with us? Skating is one of those. Um, skills that it's kind of like riding a bike. Like once you learn it, you don't necessarily lose it. Are you still skating now? Kind of like what is the lifestyle now in terms of what does skating mean to you? Are you I'm guessing yeah. you're not. I've uh, <laughs> I, I've skated uh, once in the last three years. I think. Wow. I it was mostly my my oldest son played uh, prep school hockey mm-hmm. in Connecticut, and uh, he's playing club hockey at the University of Miami now in Florida and I it was actually I was on the ice uh, coaching one of his practices was the last time I skated uh, about a month and a half ago uh, ah. so uh, that's it and that's been most of the time I've been uh, and since I've retired has really been on the ice with the kids coaching every once in a while but I bet you were just as swift as a couple decades ago huh <laughs> uh, not so much <laughs> well when we come back on after the glory we'll talk to Matthew more about his NHL career and moving around town that experience that most fans do not really get to understand this is Lucy Singh with Gary Stern and Matthew Snyder we'll be back This is Daryl Wayne, here to talk to you about the co-creator and co-host of After the Glory, Woodland Hills lawyer Gary Stern. When Gary's not talking to elite athletes, you can usually find him doing what he's been doing for almost 45 years, navigating the world of government. As a college student and young professional, Gary helped folks deal with federal and state agencies through his work as a caseworker with a local congressman and state senator. That work prepared Gary for a career as a consumer lawyer. Today, Gary still helps people in all walks of life but his passion nowadays is his service as a mediator, mostly in cases like the ones he's been handling for over four decades, where people have been injured in accidents or in connection with their employment. You can learn more about Stern Law, the law offices of Gary N. Stern at his website, www.sternlaw.org, that's S-T-E-R-N. Or you can call him at 818-710-2717, that's 818-710-2717. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Gary Stern with Lucy Sang and our special guest, Matthew Schneider. Off the uh, air, we were talking about some of the incredible uh, uh, things that are happening in hockey now in terms of the skill set. Uh, Matthew, you had a great, great career over years. You played with, the, of course, the NHL's foundation team, the Montreal Canadiens. You played with L.A. Uh, at a time when hockey was really developing and growing here in Southern California. And I'm curious about one aspect, playing with all the teams you played with, travel. How, travel must be a brutal thing. Changing teams that many times must be very tough in terms of family life. Tell us a little about how you dealt with those challenges associated with being traded and multiple cities and, and so forth. 
Yeah, um, you know, I, I think it's just uh, it's a real interesting aspect of uh, being a professional athlete that a lot of people don't uh, have a hard time uh, associating with me. Maybe, and I played my first six years in Montreal, and and I got traded to the New York Islanders, and I had actually asked for a trade. We were going through a contract dispute at the time, um, and I asked for a trade. But I, I remember my first game. Uh, for the Islanders was actually in Madison Square Garden, uh, which was really exciting. It was a big rival. I, I felt like I was in a, in a dream almost, or it just seemed surreal. And I had another team, another team's uniform on. And I remember I, I grew up in New Jersey watching the Islanders win Stanley Cups. Um, but once you once you get traded once, it be, it it kind of becomes something that yeah you, you know. I ended up getting traded a year later to Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, Toronto at the time was struggling, but um, I was very fortunate to have played in some tremendous cities. I played in, uh, you know, Montreal, Toronto, two of the greatest hockey cities in North America, but also uh, LA, Detroit, New York, uh, being able to play in all these different uh, cities was really just a, a unique experience for me. Um, but it was later on when I, when I had a young family and I had four kids, uh, eventually my youngest really didn't get to see me play a whole lot. She's 15 now. Um, but, uh, but my, my three oldest and, you know, transferring from one, one school to another, uh, I, I think my two oldest kids went to six schools by the time they were, by the time they had graduated high school each one of them and my family was tremendous my wife was just so supportive throughout um and you know we did everything that we could to try to stay together as much as we could um but it but it's challenging it's challenging and even when uh, you move to a new city and and then you're on the road so your wife might be there with the kids and just to, trying to develop uh, some new friendships and uh getting the kids in school there are a lot a lot of challenges that go along with it you know, your your answer raises a question. We we didn't talk about in advance, and if you don't want to get into it too much, I, I, I understand. I wonder if your Jewish background, if your or your family background generally helped you in terms of family life. I mean, we've had so many athletes, professional athletes, who we know have had family challenges. Uh, divorce rate is very high. Um, and you obviously survived and, in fact, thrived. Uh, do you attribute that to a sense of your background, uh, cultural, religious, and so forth? Well, uh, to, to be fair, I, I am on my second marriage. So, okay. Uh, but I, I got married very young, too. I think that's also, um, that, that's, that's another issue that I think a lot of, and, it, and again, it's different today. Things have changed so often. I, I got married when I was 23 the first time, and it lasted a year. It was, uh, and it, I mean, looking back, it's crazy. I, my son now is 21. He's turning 21 uh, next week, actually, and I'm thinking, there's no way this kid, <laughs> and, and I look back at myself, and I'm like, what was I ever thinking? Uh, and obviously, it didn't go well, but that's, that's something that a lot of, a lot of young athletes uh, deal with as well, so... Um, but you know when I when I when I met my wife uh, uh, my current wife and we've been married uh, 21 years now uh, just 
amazing, amazing woman. And I was ready. She was ready. We were older. Um, we, we, we really, uh, and I mean, she, you know, it was, we, we dated for a couple of years and it was the time that I had gotten traded from the Toronto Maple Leafs to the New York Rangers. Uh, so even before we were married, she got a chance to move and see a bit of the life and, and, and what, what comes along with it. Um, so she, she was able to see a little bit of that before diving in with both feet. But, uh, um, you know, we've just had an amazing relationship and very fortunate. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely, as I, as I got older, as I matured, uh, my wife converted to Judaism as well. And, uh, she's uh, she knows a lot more than me about it i think once you go through the conversion <laughs> you know you know yeah. you know more uh but it, you know it's uh it's a big part of our lives for sure and you know we we we've raised our kids that way and it's really i think has a lot to do with just the respect and treating people how how you want to be treated and um no question that's played a big part and i think in, in our marriage so Matthew, speaking of personal life, obviously you have that camaraderie and brotherhood with your teammates on the field or on the um, rink. What what was it like outside? Do you feel like in the locker room, even outside of the locker room, do you do you still keep in touch with old teammates? What's that like? Yeah, well, in, in my current role working at the Players Association, uh, I'm on the road an awful lot still. Um, I, I can I can pick and choose my spots a little bit better at times, but uh, there are a lot of former players that work in the game that are working for clubs as coaches or general managers, um, and and so I get I get to see guys uh, uh, through my my day job. Uh, there's probably two or three guys that uh, I really stay very close to uh, that I played with over the years that have become really good friends and. Um, our wives are good friends, and so that that makes it easier as well. Um, locally here, I live in I live in the neighborhood within a couple of miles. There's probably four or five of my former teammates uh, from the Kings that I am able to get together with as well. So that makes a lot of fun. You know, when we come back uh, for our last segment, uh, we will dive into the subject of after the glory. That's probably the most important, which is that that transition from the the crowds. And the, and the excitement and the adrenaline to the rest of your life. And Matthew Schneider has done it as well as anybody when we come back on After the Glory. Hey, this is Lucy Sang from Resiliency Coaching. I am a certified mental performance coach focused on working with athletes transitioning into life after the glory days of sports. I help like-minded people become high performers and thrive in all areas of life. My goal is to serve as your accountability partner and offer different perspectives as you make tough decisions. Learn more about me on Instagram at resiliency underscore coaching, R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T-S-E-E underscore coaching. And thanks for tuning in to After the Glory. And we're back on After the Glory for a final segment with our guest, Matthew Schneider. This is Gary Stern with my partner, Lucy Sang. And Matthew, that that great NHL career included, of course, the the Ultimates, the Stanley Cup with the Montreal Canadiens, and uh, I think even the casual fan probably understands that it, that's probably the single greatest trophy 
in all of sport is that Stanley Cup. And you see it when the players skate around the rink uh, with the cup and they kiss it. And it's just an amazing thing. And, of course, the cup itself is amazing. If you've had a chance to see it, it's got engraved every player that's ever won the cup. Um, You're playing in front of thousands and thousands of people. The adrenaline must be incredible. At some point, the the, the career is... um, starting to come to an end you you may discover that the skill set is not what it was when you were younger tell us did you come to the end of your career on your terms and did you feel you were ready and what was that transition like to no longer strapping on the skates i'm not sure that anyone ever really comes to comes to the end of their career on their own terms you know i think uh you know for me it was uh you know, my my last couple of years, I was still I was playing. I was 39, 40 years old when I eventually retired, and you know I, I had always said that uh, the time when I knew it was going to be right was going to be in the middle of the summer when I really didn't want to put in the the work in the off season, um, and and I wasn't able to, and uh, you know I was my previous year I was in Atlanta who no longer exists, they're the, they're the Winnipeg Jets now. Uh, and I get traded to Montreal, back to Montreal. And uh, it was just such a wonderful experience going back to Montreal uh, at that stage of my career. My family, uh, my kids were very young and to see the, uh, the excitement and the building and the fans and uh, the, the Montreal fans are some of the best in the, uh, best in the NHL. And, uh, the the environment and the building is just incredible. It reminds reminds me of maybe a soccer game that you would see in Europe, um, and, and different from any other place. Uh, and I finished there, and I, I had uh, shoulder surgery at the end of the season. My season ended after the first round of the playoffs. We got beat, but I got hurt in the second game against Boston Bruins. Um, and I was debating whether given another year or come back after that, it was pretty long rehab that I had. And I ended up signing with the Vancouver Canucks and then later getting traded to the Phoenix Coyotes in my last year. Um, and, and, you know, I was the old guy in the dressing room, but it was just a, uh, there was a, there was a big generation gap there with me and other guys in the dressing room where, um, you know, I was old enough to be uh, the dad of a lot of the guys that I was playing with. Um, and it was, it, it just wasn't fun for me anymore. Uh, during the regular season, I was, uh, I would be sitting in the game before sitting in the dressing room before games, you know, kind of yawning, uh, thinking, Oh, I just want to, I just want to go have a nice dinner after the game. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, once you get into the playoffs, though, everything changed. That's the most exciting time of the year. And I was, uh, we actually played Detroit that year in the playoffs, and uh, we we had a great series, but we lost to them in six games. And uh, and at that point, I was kind of I was skeptical about coming back again. I thought, you know what, I still maybe have. We'll see how it goes. But uh, but I was doing just that training in the summer. And I put in a couple good days and then take a couple days off. And then finally one morning I woke up and I said, you know what? I looked at my wife, I go, that's it, I'm done. And that was it. It felt like the weight of the world was off my shoulders. And uh, it just seemed like I I had anxiety for years leading up to it, thinking about what that moment would be. And then when I made the decision, uh, it just felt so good and so right. So 
leaving the game in my own terms, the, what I say I did, eh, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I feel like I played more than enough, uh, and, I, and I'm really fortunate that I was able to. Our listeners should know that uh, Matthew also had an extensive and really wonderful international career, played for the U.S. in the 88 World Junior Championships, uh, was on the U.S. team at the 90, 1998 Winter Olympics in Nagano, Japan, uh, also uh, uh, chosen uh, uh, for the uh, 2002 Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City, then had an injury uh, that kept him out of that, um, represented the U.S. at the 2006 Winter Olympics in Turin, uh, so it's a wonderful career overall. And then, Matthew, you started out in your retirement working with the uh, Players Association as a special assistant. You worked with the former baseball man, Don Fear, among others. And tell us about, because it, I, I'm just astounded uh, of the impact you've had already uh, in, the, in the years you've been with the Players Association, inclu- including uh, adjustments to the rules, especially uh, headshots, boarding. Tell us about how that that comes about in terms of your work with the Players Association. Obviously, you had safety of the players uppermost in your mind. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, uh, well, first of all, my, I was, my experience as a player playing on 10 different teams, I saw the good, the bad, and the ugly throughout every organization that I, I could possibly, you could possibly imagine. And you know that really prepared me for being able to uh, transition to the players association. And I was a player rep. I was very involved uh, when when I was playing, and I was actually on the search committee that hired Don Fear uh, right when I was retiring. But um, you know, one of one of the things that was a hot button issue that we were dealing with at the time was the concussion issue as football's dealing with it. We're dealing with it. I think all the sports, but hockey and, and football in particular, and, uh, you know, trying to make the game as safe as possible. You know, we want parents to feel comfortable when they're putting their, their children into the game of hockey, that they're protected and they're safe. And, um, you know, a head injury is much different than any other injury that you might suffer in hockey. And, and I think the realization of that, the NHL level, and certainly uh, from the Players Association and, and dealing with players that had experienced uh, concussions and major issues over the years, um, it was a priority for all of us uh, when Don first came in and I came in a year after Don. So um, we were able to make some great changes and continuing to evolve it every year. Matthew, before we wrap up this episode, what are your last words for kids today who are looking to build a career and hopefully achieve the NHL one day? Well, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I always tell kids my, my goal. And, and I think a, a lot from a lot of kids from our generation playing any sport uh, shouldn't necessarily be to uh, play at the NHL level or uh, to get a college scholarship. I think, I think just playing sports and being active and involved being part of a team is is some of what is the most valuable, uh, some of the most valuable lessons you can take out of sports. Uh, but, you know, at, at any level, any kid can dedicate himself and and put the effort in uh, and, and, and get out of the game what, what they want to get out of the game. To me, I, I'm very biased, but hockey's the greatest team sport out there. It takes 20 guys to win a championship. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, baseball, I don't think it matters if the catcher gets along with the center fielder, but if you've got a couple guys on a hockey team that don't get along, it can drag a whole team down. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, I was extremely fortunate to have the career I had, but I never set out intending to be an NHL player. And I think uh, today there's just too many parents that put their kids in sports looking at, well, my kid might make millions of dollars one day or he's going to get a college scholarship instead of, uh, you know, getting back to the fundamentals. Matthew, that's as good as it gets. Uh, thank you so much for uh, your time and your and your talent and your continued uh, impact on the game of hockey. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Gary and Lucy. Lucy and I hope you enjoyed this edition of After the Glory. As we leave you until next time, we want to thank our team, our producer, Mark Allen, the executive producer from Podclips, Mike Anderson, and our sound engineer and editor, the insane Daryl Wayne. We are also grateful for music by T. Dan Hofstead. And as we close out this episode of After the Glory, we honor our guest with our theme song, written and sung by my brother in baseball, T. Dan, the master of music from the islands and the slack key guitar. Until next time, stay safe, healthy, and athletic. Living the dream on a shooting star. Hometown crowd cheering what you are. Living large and riding high. Razzling and dazzling across the sky. Back in the day, so young and strong. We're going to play in the when that ride is through, what you gonna do? Hey, hey, what's your story? What you gonna do after the glory? Step back and take inventory. Checking out new territory. Not every day will be congratulatory. Hopefully you're still